Welcome to Inside Michigan Business Podcast. This episode is made possible by Dell for Startups, providing solutions for all of your startup needs at special savings. Check out Dell's top business class PCs and accessories and register at startupnation.com forward slash Dell to save on Dell's awesome lineup of best-in-class laptops, monitors, and accessories. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Inside Michigan Business. I'm John Gallagher, your host for today. And as always, we're coming to you from the studio at Startup Nation Media Group in Birmingham, Michigan. The guest today is Colin McMahon, the new Chief Operating Officer for Startup Nation. Colin is a journalist by trade. He worked for many years at the Chicago Tribune as a reporter, both on the Metro side and then as a foreign correspondent with postings, among many other places, of Moscow. And perhaps we can talk about that a little bit later. But he also became editor-in-chief of the Chicago Tribune and became chief content editor for the Tribune Media Group and led the transition from purely print to print and digital, which is our big topic today. So the first question, Colin, first welcome to Startup Nation. Thank you. And let's talk about what brought you, as a Chicago guy, uh, an old newspaper hand, to a digital outfit like Startup Nation and what you hope to accomplish here. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great to be here. So, you know, I've always been interested since the advent of digital media in how we reach more people and how that works. And to me, it's always been about opportunity. I've always seen the opportunity. I I love print. I still get daily newspapers. But to me, the ability to reach a really wide audience that is not tied into a geography that is not tied into whether or not they can get the thing on their porch or pick it up at the store. You know, it's exciting. There's some other things that we'll talk about that to me are the essence of digital news media. But for me, the startup nation uh, opportunity was so great because I think that there's so many people who are hungry to start businesses. There are so many people who, you know, see the opportunity of entrepreneurship and and need information. They need to know where to start, where to go after they have this great idea. And, you know, frankly, there's stuff out there. There's news media that are trying to talk to business people, but there's not a lot out there for the budding entrepreneur. And so I see this as a a great opportunity and a mission to help people, um, you know, live their dreams. Good. Well, Detroit, of course, was the home of the largest industrial corporations in the world for 100 years. But for the last 20 years or so, we have been trying to transition to a more entrepreneurial economy and Startup Nation is part of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, if you look at, I think most people who follow the business world know that small businesses create most of the jobs in this country and the real energy, the real dynamism is in entrepreneurship. And so out of these old industries, there come a lot of opportunities there is a space for people who can create new things. And, you know, we see it here in Detroit. We saw it in Chicago. I'm from Cleveland. Don't hold it against me. But as a Cleveland kid, I saw it, uh, these new in, in neighborhoods that when I was a kid, they were really struggling, were revitalized by new businesses with new ideas and new energies. So I see the same thing happening in Detroit. You've written a lot about that, right? And I think Startup Nation can be a large part of that environment. Now, Colin, you and I are both old print guys. I was uh, spent 30 years or so at the Detroit Free Press. You were at the Chicago Tribune for many years. What's the difference between purely print 
in the whole universe of digital media that's out there now? I mean, how do you how do you think in two different ways? Yeah. So I think to me, there's obviously there's drawbacks and there are um, benefits to it. I think that the pressure of the 24-7 news cycle is new. You know, you could say that we had it in broadcast, but we really didn't. And and so the pressure of 24-7 news cycle that digital has brought is intense and it burns people out and it forces, I think, some practices in journalism that aren't great for journalism. I think some of the quick hits and some of the, the hot takes, as we call them, where people are not reporting out things, they're just commenting on things. You know, I don't think that that's a, a healthy response. However, the benefits are you can actually adapt to what people are interested in. People are telling you what is relevant to their lives in a way that we never had before in print. You can measure your impact with people. And you remember, we used to judge whether an article was successful by a few things. Did it get on page one? Did we get a lot of letters? Remember those? Mm-hmm. And and did our editor like it, right? Well, that, you know, you add it all up and that's a handful of people relatively. Here we have thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people telling us whether our work is relevant to them. Yeah, I know, I know my last 10 years or so with the Detroit Free Press, every morning you'd come in and you'd check your metrics from the day before. And of course, sports always did best, right? And if one of my stories was in the top 20, that was wildly successful because the, yeah. fir- the first 19 were about sports. Of course. 18 of those were Detroit Lions <laughs> That's stories. Right. So. That's right. And, you know, the Chicago Bears dominated the audience when I was at Chicago Tribune. But there was a lot of stuff in there. And, and so to me, that's actually exciting. So whether it was a news story or politics or some opinion pieces, you know, food and dining, it does show that people are interested in a lot of different topics and that we can still address their interests. And, you know, if you were checking your performance, you are a good journalist because what journalist wouldn't want to get better by knowing what is appealing to the reader? Yeah. Now let's talk about entrepreneurs, which will be your target audience here at Startup Nation. What kind of person is an entrepreneur and what are they looking for from a platform like Startup Nation that maybe they didn't look for at the Chicago Tribune or the Detroit Free Press? Yeah, you know, so I first got interested in the startup culture and the startup environment and entrepreneurship about 10 years ago. I was part of a team, I led that team that started something called Blue Sky Innovation in Chicago, which was a digital media startup that covered the startup space in Chicago. And Chicago's got a pretty vibrant entrepreneurial and, and startup space. And and so one of the things that I learned from covering that and from mixing with the entrepreneurs in that community is there's a few different types of entrepreneurs, right? There's the technician, the person who, who likes to do something and is very good at it, maybe an auto mechanic, let's say, but, you know, eventually tires of working for the man or, you know, gets rubbed the, the wrong way by the boss and says, you know, I can do this and, and starts their own auto mechanic shop. So that's that kind of entrepreneur. And then there's an idea person, right? Like I've got all these ideas for what would make a great business. I'm going to pursue this one and this one and this one, right? And then there's a, a person who just likes to do business, right? And can see an, an idea. Maybe it wasn't that person's idea, but says, that's a great idea. I'm going to develop that business, right? So there's a lot of different kinds of entrepreneurs, but I think what they all have in common is 
unless you've done it before, you don't know where to start, right? And so what they all have in common is a need for guidance and need for connection with people, community to, you know, ask some questions, to learn from others, a place to go and just start that path. And I think Startup Nation, above all else, can do that. We also help some people in other areas of business or other points along their journey. But for me, that key part of helping people get going with the practical stuff that they need the counsel that they might need, and we're going to throw in some inspiration as well. That's what we serve that community. Well, on one more category, I think in Detroit, who becomes an entrepreneur, that's the corporate refugee. Uh, the mid-40s, ex-auto worker, you know, white-collar auto worker. There are thousands of those people in Metro Detroit and Michigan at large because when the auto industry imploded, so many people who were talented, college-educated, whatever, and I know there was a metric from TechTown, the business incubator here, that of all the people who took their programs, about half of them were 40 and over. So it's not just, as, as the director used to say, it's not just college kids eating ramen noodles in their dorm room. I mean, you've got, you know, mid-career people trying entrepreneurship for the first time. That's right. That's an excellent point and an audience that we can serve. And I think especially those folks, they may have had some ideas about starting their own business at certain points in their lives, but this kind of forced their hand, right? And I think it's a lesson to all of us to always be thinking about, you know, what could come next, to bet on ourselves a little bit and to start preparing for that. So it shouldn't take the hand of God to force it, but those are people who found, a lot of times found themselves coming out of that bad experience and starting something good. Now, you've become uh, an expert on uh, audience development. So talk about what audience development is. You know, we used to talk about readers or viewers if you had TV news. What's audience development and how do you do it? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, when we used to, uh, in, when we used to have a newspaper, right, we used to talk about circulation, of course, which is how many papers landed on how many porches. But we also talked about readership, right? So who passed along, you know, did a whole family read a, a newspaper, right? And we even back then, I think, talked about, well, how do we get people to share their experience with the newspaper? Well, that's what audience development is, right? So when we look at, I've got a team of journalists working their butts off, trying to do reporting that is meaningful to the community and meaningful to the readers. What can I do to make sure that that journalism gets before as many people as possible? That's audience development. So what are we going to do? We're going to make sure that if you're interested in, in a topic and you're searching for that topic in Google, that our journalism is going to register with that search and you're going to be exposed to that journalism so that you can uh, choose whether or not to read it. We're going to make sure that uh, social platforms have that journalism. So if, if you're the kind of person that gets your news media from Facebook, that we're going to be sure that we're in front of you so you can choose our journalism. And then I think there are other ways to do it, right? So there may be groups that are interested in, let's say, entrepreneurship. We've got a good story about that path to entrepreneurship. We're going to reach out to those other groups that have an affiliation with that topic and say, hey, you might like this article. Share it with your newsletter people. Share it with your following. So I think a lot of it is kind of what we used to do in retail, which is send a clipping to your mother. 
Uh, <laughs> we're trying to, trying to find new ways to do that using all the digital avenues at our disposal. You know, it used to be you'd write a story, somebody would put a headline on it, and off it would go, and you start working on the next one. But now, as you said, you have to do half a dozen different platforms on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever, to sort of promote it and keep coming back to it and engage with your audience in new and different ways. I think that's what's new about the whole digital world, that engagement, that back and forth. Yeah, and the opportunities for it. Sure, some of it can be a chore, but what isn't it? That's why they call it work, right? Right. And so I, I think the opportunities to expand that audience and relate and engage with that audience are just so great right now and so rewarding when it clicks. Can you give us a hint about how you're going to approach the Startup Nation gig? Yeah, so, you know, we start where we always start as reporter, right? As reporters, we start with talking to people. We want to hear what people are experiencing. What are the challenges that people face? What are the problems that they want to solve? What are the dreams they want to accomplish, right? And, and that's going to be the place we start. And that's certainly the place I start. And, and the, this team here at Startup Nation Media Group is so accomplished and so dedicated. And of course, we've got the founder here, Jeff Sloan, who you know not only talks the talk, but has walked the walk with starting businesses and is very tapped into the community. So you know, it starts with talking with people, with trying to understand what the problems are to solve. And I take a very, very structured approach to things in which I really try to understand the problem before I start doing the reporting around the solution. It's funny because, you know, you mentioned that I was a foreign correspondent. I, I, you know, when people say, well, how is that like a business? How is that like problem solving? And I'm like, well, first of all, the problem is getting to a place, right? And then filing from a place and then getting out of the place, right? So the whole life of a foreign correspondent is problem solving. And if you get good at problem solving in one area, you learn how to be a problem solver in others. So that's what we want to do. We want to help people solve their problems. Good. Logistics, a big part of uh, that's being right. a foreign correspondent. That's right. Right. Well, one place you spent some time was Moscow. And I guess we can't let you go without asking about just, I mean, Moscow is in the news, obviously, today. Talk about that experience. I was a foreign correspondent. I was in Mexico before that and watched an economy in Mexico that cratered a peso devaluation and learned a lot there and then went to Russia and saw it repeat in the, um, the mid-90s and late-90s. And my takeaways from Russia are, the biggest one is that Russia never really came to grips with the Soviet Union and the decline of the Soviet Union and the sins and the crimes of the Soviet Union. And I think that you're seeing that play out now. So what Germany did after World War II, that self-reckoning never really took place. And so I think that there's still some, within Russia, there's still some misunderstanding about Russia's role in, in the world, about the horrors of the Soviet times. And there's glamorization, romanticism about Russia, the Russian Empire and the Soviet Union that Putin has played into. And I took the liberty of kind of looking at my stories from the, from the time that Putin became prime minister and then eventually president. And I wanted to see if I got it right. And even back then, you know, he was drinking toast to Joseph Stalin and he was talking glowingly about his time in the KGB. And I think that anybody who kind of thought that Vladimir Putin was going to be a Western-style reformer coming in and turning Russia into this Western-style democracy was um, just counting on some hopeful ideas. And I think that it's, I don't want to say I'm surprised because there are surprises always with Russia, 
But I think until the Russians kind of really take a look at where they are and where they are historically, that they're going to keep making the same kind of mistakes. Mm. Well, on the uh, another aspect of the digital world is, of course, that you can live and work anywhere. So you you live in Chicago. Startup Nation is based here in Birmingham, Michigan. No problem, right? You'll be commuting back and forth, or or just working remotely, or you know, most of it would be remote. I've still got a kid in high school and another kid in college, and so we're we're working through that. But be here a lot. It's a an easy train ride, an easy drive, and. You know, we have these Zoom meetings and these Google Hangouts and you name it, Slack calls. There are so many ways to communicate, even intimately communicate, that I'm confident that that's going to work out. Well, and in fact, the last two years with the pandemic, we all learned how to do that. I know people at the Free Press who haven't been in the office in two years. Yeah, you know, and I think that that's a great question for all of us, whether we're working at some place or starting our own business, whatever the case may be. There's something you miss by not being across the table from somebody. And I think we have to work hard to replace that. But like you say, the practice that we've gotten and the comfort that we've gotten with being remote has certainly made it a lot easier to perform as we need to. And I think pat ourselves on the back here, but as a former journalist, you can do perhaps not anything you want, but you can do a lot because the training as a journalist, as you said, solving problems, thinking through problems. That really enables you to do a lot in life. That's right. And it's always outcome-based, right? The great thing about journalism is it's, I don't care about the process. I care about the outcome if you're a reader, right? And so it's always about how do I get to that outcome? How do I get that source? How do I get that information? How do I get this done that leads to that outcome? And so, as you say, you always have to be flexible and thinking about what the outcome is as a journalist, and that helps when the, we get things like the pandemic thrown in our face. Yeah. Now, my wife is an engineer by trade, and she's now working with a startup, and it's a different world. You know, instead of going to the office five days a week and blah, 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 you know, I mean, she's got to be very flexible with her hours, with her schedule. There's no job titles in a lot of these situations. I don't know. I guess I said Detroit is learning how to be an entrepreneurial economy again. Yeah, and that shows, like your wife doing that work. It shows that you can do this at any stage if you're flexible and you go into a situation with an open mind and you've got the desire to learn the skills. So I love hearing stories like that. And I will say that the startup, the mentality of you do any job that needs to be done, you know, that no job title thing, part of that is because, hey, we're all in this together. What needs to be done? Let's get it done. I love that about a startup mentality. It's different from the kind of corporate world and where things are kind of defined about what you do and what you don't do. And it just brings new energy to me, not only to individuals, but to a community. Well, I think the startup ecosystem here is fortunate to have you in town. And uh, I'm sure we're going to look forward to hearing more about you and, and what you accomplish here at Startup Nation. So Colin McMahon, thanks so much. Let me welcome you to Detroit. And let me just say, uh, folks, this has been the latest Inside Michigan Business Podcast, and stand by for more. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Inside Michigan Business Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to receive programming notifications and special event announcements by going to InsideMichiganBusiness.com. Follow us on your favorite social media platform and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Thank you for listening.